It's always been a struggle for you, and feedback from your friends confirms. You don't show your emotions easily, you have an aversion to anyone who shows the slightest sign of clinginess, and it's hard for you to take criticism. You've always thought, well, this is just how I am. Until all this recent talk about attachment theory, in which you've identified you might be the avoidant type. You've been seeing all this chatter on social media about attachment theory, and suddenly everyone's trying to figure out why they act the way they do when they're in relationships with others. But most of the conversation has centered around familial and romantic relationships. But what about friendships? How might your particular attachment style be helping or hurting your platonic relationships with other women? Today, I'm speaking with Megan Gillespie, a therapist and educator who specializes in anxiety, attachment, and the mind-body connection. She is going to break down the four attachment styles in a way that you may not have yet heard, and then outline direct ways your style might be impacting your female friendships. Heads up, if you really enjoyed this episode and want more, you can find more in our upcoming Friend Forward Library. More details at betterfemalefriendships.com. Just a reminder. Now, if you're ready to better understand your attachment style and how it might be shaping your relationships with other women, then stay tuned because today we're diving deep. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. With attachment theory, you know, I know a lot of big names are talking about it and people are self, as you said, people are self-diagnosing. And so one thing I want to say just up front is I want people to think of attachment as a spectrum. So on one side, we have avoidant. On the other side, we might have preoccupied anxious attachment and you can kind of fluctuate. So you want to think of it as tendencies because I know a lot of people get really stuck in like, oh my gosh, I'm anxious and I'm doomed for this or this means this or that or the other. And so I want you to think of it, one, as a spectrum and two, our North Star is always presence. So in the middle, we want to think about you know, in relationships, it's all about presence. And what takes us out of that is when we get in our head, when we get in our own experience. And so wherever people may be, number one, it's okay, right? We know with the way the brain works that you can rewire this. We have neuroplasticity. So it kind of has me thinking about how some of those Cosmo magazine questionnaires and quizzes have us, you know, set up for life where we're like, what's the answer? Which one do I fall under? I need to know. And so to hear you encourage us to see the nuance of it and to not be so rigid with it is, is very refreshing. And it also, I think maybe empowers us to take control over, you know, what we want, what we can do, and not to see ourselves in such a restricted space. So I appreciate you so much for for starting with that. Let me ask you this before we kind of jump into how it impacts our friendships. Let's kind of go through maybe each of those styles. And along the way, if you can tell us some ways in which this style might show up in our friendships. So why don't you go ahead and, and start with you know the first end of that spectrum with whatever the first attachment style is and how it might impact our friendships. So the first attachment style we'll talk about is preoccupied or anxious attachment. And this is a style that develops usually from somewhat inconsistent caregiving. And by that, I mean, you know, the caregiver is sometimes really attuned, connected, and not just physically, but emotionally. So this might be, you know, you might see it as, yes, my mom or dad is in the room. However, they're completely, you know, they're looking 
looking at the TV, they're looking at their phone, they're doing work, they're not actually tuned into my experience. And in friendships or in later relationships, this might look like someone who, you know, they may be sitting next to you, but you don't really feel connected to them. You don't feel like they really feel you and know you and see you for who you are. And so what happens is, is from a young age, this would be a kid who understands what it feels like to be connected and yet doesn't know when it's going to come back, right? And so it's this fearfulness of, oh my gosh, when is mom going to be able to show up? When is dad going to be able to show up? So in a friendship, this might be someone who is tuning into the friend as opposed to what's happening for themselves. So they are really hypervigilant to how the person across them from them is feeling and how they might be impacting that. So it's someone who maybe is overanalyzing. Oh my gosh, did I say the right thing? Is she mad at me? Those types of things. It might be the friend who, when you don't text back immediately, they're, oh my gosh, is she mad at me? Is everything okay? Right? It's those types of things you might see. From a boundaries perspective, it might be the friend who is people-pleasing or who has a hard time voicing her concerns because she's afraid that the friendship is going to just crumble if she says how she feels, right? So those are some typical signs of anxious attachment. Another big one that shows up is, let's say you're going out to lunch. What do you want for lunch? I don't care whatever you want right? Having a really hard time getting in touch with how she's feeling internally, because of course, she's always looking outward to please the other person so that she can stay in relationship or friendship with that person. And it's not, I think it's really important to remember, it's not that she doesn't necessarily want to voice her opinion. A lot of times she genuinely doesn't know because she is so tuned into what the other person is experiencing. There's a lot of times a disconnection from self. And so she really doesn't know. It's like, ah, you know, deer in <laughs> headlights when you try to get her to voice what she wants. So those are some typical signs for anxious attachment. Interesting. I'm sure that there are some women listening now who are like, oh my goodness, you just <laughs> described me to a T. So that's so helpful to kind of hear you illuminate it in that way. Okay. What would the second attachment style be? And okay, how okay. does that impact women and their friendships? So the second attachment style would be avoidant or dismissive. And when you think dismissive, dismissive specifically of feelings. And so this is someone who maybe early on in relationships didn't have models for being emotionally attuned to others. And perhaps from a parenting perspective, their parents didn't know how to talk to them about emotions, maybe shut down big emotions in them. So not being attuned to, instead of being disappointed over and over and over again, they just shut down the attachment system and kind of disconnect from their feelings. And so what this could look like later in friendships is the friend who feels very uncomfortable with vulnerability, feels very comfortable with big shows of emotion. So maybe your friend is going through a really rocky period. Maybe it's, you know, a divorce. Maybe it's, you know, they just got fired. Whatever it is, when they're showing big emotions, it immediately makes you feel uncomfortable in your body and you begin to feel dysregulated. And so you immediately want to shut the other person down. So whatever you can do to, and really what it comes back to is you and your body are not feeling safe and comfortable because it's creating a lot of dysregulation. So this might be someone who likes to avoid really intense topics or wants to avoid vulnerability. You know, one thing I see a lot is where maybe they're asking you, you know, how are you? What's going on? And they're okay with you talking about vulnerable subjects, 
you know, to some extent. But then when the person says, how about you? What about, you know, what's going on with you? What about this particular stage you're in? And it's either not responding at all, or it's a very quick response. Okay, let's move on to the next subject. So those may be some things, some signs you may see. It could also come up with very rigid boundaries, not wanting to let people in really close to you. So it's kind of a, you know, let you in so far, but then er, stop right there. It could also show up um, from the sense of these are people who are very work-oriented a lot of times. They feel a lot of sense of independence. They like to be independent. And when people get too, too close to them, that could make them feel really unsafe. So once again, there's sort of those boundaries around, I'll let you close, but not too, too close. Mm. Oh gosh. Okay. Now you're calling me out. You're coming down my <laughs> row. You're coming down my row. No, that's so good. It, it's so interesting because even as you're speaking, I'm kind of checking off the list mentally because, you know, I'll, I'll have coaching sessions with women. Very recently, I had one with a young woman who was talking about how her main concern she was bringing to the table was feeling a lack of depth in her friendships. And she wanted to feel closer. She looks around, she's got all these acquaintances, but she wants to feel closer. And as we unpacked that for our time together, we surfaced a few things. One, she does not feel comfortable being vulnerable. So she'll take the lead in the friendships, do the planning, she'll ask the questions, but she does not feel comfortable being vulnerable. And to kind of hear you talk like that is, is it's is kind of connecting some dots. Um, she also told me, you know, she went through a couple of of relationships in her friendship history, and and all of them ended with her cutting somebody off because they they made her upset, or they didn't listen enough, or they disappointed her and didn't meet an expectation in some way, and she's done. There is no hard conversation about what she needed. And so it's just kind of interesting to to hear, and I'm trying to connect for listeners as well, what these styles are, what the tendencies are, how it might show up in our friendships and what it might might cost us. And I'm sure there's advantages and disadvantages to each, but if we don't get it under control or don't use it to to do better, how it might cost us in our friendships. So it's so interesting to hear you outline everything this way. So helpful. Okay. What would the um, third attachment style be? So the third is disorganized. And a lot of times with disorganized, there's a history of trauma or chaos in the home where basically the caregivers aren't consistent. So it's on one hand, I want to be close to my caregivers because these are the people that are keeping me alive, right? And at the same time, the same source of comfort is also terrifying. And so it's kind of this push and pull between the two attachment styles where on one hand, I really want relationships. I want to be close. I want that connection. But the minute people get close to me, I immediately panic and want to run away. And so it can be kind of confusing if you have a partner or a friend this way, where on one hand, you know, they're showing signs that they want to be in close proximity to you, but then all of a sudden they're retreating. And so that can be a little confusing. So if you happen to have this style, it's going to show up where you're going to have tendencies from both of the other two attachment styles, if that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Interesting. And then, um, and then the final attachment style that we should be aware of. Yes. So that would be secure attachment, which is of course, once again, where we're all sort of aiming. And that's that idea of presence where we have had a model of what an attuned connected relationship looks like. So we are, we feel comfortable being vulnerable with another person. We feel comfortable being in our body and experiencing distressing emotions because we feel confident we can kind of move through them. And um, we feel okay with conflict, right? We don't think like the whole relationship is over if we have conflict, so we don't avoid it in any way. Um, And we're able to be connected to other people. 
So good. And I and I really appreciate that you've brought up the word conflict a couple of times. We talk a lot about here on, on the show and on the platform about how healthy conflict is inevitable. And for a lot of us, it's going to make or ba- uh, break those, those friendships and relationships. And if we're aiming for depth and or longevity in our friendships, we better get very comfortable and equipped with how to deal with conflict. And so it's interesting because we're making connections here between our attachment style and how we might uh, approach conflict. And then the, you know, indirect extension of that might be you know, how our friendships look and and what it's costing us based on whether or not we can handle conflict and that tracing back to whatever our attachment style is. So it's interesting to kind of see the ripple effect here. Let me ask you this, you know, at the time of this recording, I recently posted um, a TikTok on my account over on TikTok is the friendship expert over on TikTok. And it was a video that I stitched, meaning I added on a video to an existing video with commentary to a young woman who was saying that she realizes if, if her female friends let her down or there are women who let her down and they can't be good friends. It's probably because they had bad moms. Now, I think that's very intense language, um, (laughs) but the comments were insane. It has tons of views. And so I I made a video in response outlining some phrases and behaviors that maybe our mothers exhibited that unknowingly shaped the way we approach friendship today. But at the same time, I like to stay in my lane. So as a coach, I like to give the tangibles, but I like to lean to other experts for some of the context. So can you, based on kind of rooted in your expertise, you were telling me a lot about it before we kind of started recording here. What are some ways that we might not be aware of where not necessarily a relationship maybe with our mother, but certain attitudes that she had toward friendship or or behaviors that she had or tendencies she had toward us, how might they kind of like manifest in our present day friendships? And I know that's a big question, but any insight you can give there would be helpful. Yes. So, you know, you want to think about, so I was recently reading a book about uh, the emotionally attached mother. And one thing to think about is, of course, this goes to mothers and fathers. It's not just mothers, but we, the way we develop, you know, our parents mirror back to us who we are at a very young age. So based on how they interact with us, we build sort of core beliefs of who we are. So some of those core beliefs, you know, I respect you, I love you, you know, you're worthy of time and attention. And based on how our caregivers interacted with us, we believe certain things about ourselves. So with anxious attachment, one of our core beliefs may be that we are not worthy of love and attention. And so we're always seeking to please or to do things to stay in relationship with others. You know, it may be that I can't count on others, right? So I think you posted in your TikTok something along the lines of like, you can't count on anybody or you Mm -hmm. can't trust others. You know, that is a very, typically a very avoidant response of if I couldn't trust my mom to, you know, really see me for who I am, to show up emotionally, to help me process emotions. My assumption is that other people can't either. And it's interesting because we tend to attract, you know, the people that are very similar to our caregivers in nature. And we recreate that same similar style because it feels familiar to our nervous system. And so when we see it, you know, when a friend perhaps, you know, shows some of those similar tendencies, it's like, oh, see, I knew it. I couldn't, I couldn't trust this person. See, I knew it. I can't count on anybody. And so it's just, it's good to be aware once again of what your tendencies are so that you can see when you're getting triggered. And by triggered, you want to think about is my emotional reaction in proportion to what's happening in present day? Because it is in proportion, but it may be something that's happened in your history. And it makes sense when you can, once you kind of unpack that, but it may not be in proportion to what's happening in present day in front of you. And so when you, you know, as you talked about conflict, 
with, if you tend to be more avoidant, once again, you're going to shut down, like I'm canceling this person out of my life. I'm not talking to you again. I'm ghosting you, whatever that might look like. And when you're on more of the anxious side, it's, we're not going to have this conversation at all because I'm afraid if I bring it up with you, the conver- the the whole relationship is going to end. And so it's being able to engage from a place where you can be authentic and honest and you know be in control of your feelings, which of course is its own sort of beast to unpack, but um, to really be able to sit with your own emotions and be attuned to the person across from you. So it really starts with presence and balancing what's going on for you with what's going on with the other person. Something that you're saying that is really sticking with me and I, and I hope serves as a kind of an umbrella for, for all the good stuff that you're sharing today is that these are tendencies and we want to do our best to every day kind of stay toward the president as opposed to these are labels. And so here's some tools to help you understand who you are and how you are. And this is how it is. And, and taking more of like a fixed approach, which I know a lot of people tend to, we get this information and then we're like, oh my God, that explains how I am, who I am. That's what I do. And everything is very like fixed um, as opposed to, wow, I have that tendency. I need to look out for that. What can I do to combat that when that crops up? And so I, I just appreciate you you stressing that and emphasizing that for the woman who's listening and feels like she's, she's hearing herself in the descriptions that you're giving. Giving, but that she also has hope and, and is empowered to know that this is knowledge to have for herself, but that the next step is to figure out what she needs to do so that she doesn't fall into continually approaching friendships this way. And, and now she can be a little more, you know, conscious of those things. So is that is that something that you often hear people do? Like they hear the attachment styles and they're like, oh my God, that's me. And then there's like this rigidity. What are you noticing in terms of what we do when we get our hands on this kind of language? Yeah, I think it's important because there can be so much shame with insecure attachment. You know, when we notice like, oh my gosh, like I fall in the category and there's a lot of shame. And when we start to beat ourselves up for where we may fall, it makes it harder for behavior change to occur. And so noticing it is like, okay, this is a part of my history. This is a part of my story. And I can do something about it. I can change it. We all have the capacity for secure attachment. And so it's okay if you don't happen to fall in this moment in the secure attachment category. You know, it's noticing your tendencies and being able to do things based on those tendencies. And I actually just created an attachment 101 course to help people move through at their own pace. Like, okay, how do I unpack? What are some things I might see? And then, okay, based on this, what are some exercises? What are some things I should be noticing? What are some things I could do continually to help me show up in a way where I'm able to connect with other people and deepen my connections to get the relationships that I want. So I think it's, I mean, like you said, I think that's so important because I do see people that really obsessed over, well, I thought I was avoidant, but I did this one thing and now I'm thinking I'm anxious and recognizing, you know, the actual label itself isn't as important as to, okay, how do we bring you towards the middle, towards that secure attachment to get you the relationships that you want? This is so good. It's so illuminating. And I'm I'm selfishly, I'm excited that you're bringing it to our platform so our listeners can really get the value in what you're saying. It's so helpful. Um, and 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 I and I'm confident that it's going to equip us not only when we're in friendships, but how we even approach new friendships. I hear a lot of language around certain attitudes in terms of why women don't pursue new friendships. And and it's kind of what you said before, because I believe you can't trust people these days, or you know, or that they're very, very eager whenever a, a new friendship begins 
friends. They're eager to make this new girl like them and to do whatever they can to make her stick around. They don't want her to leave. And so it's interesting to hear how it can impact us with our existing friendships and shape the outcome of those maybe. And then also how we're starting or not starting uh, new friendships because of certain attitudes we have about relationships and attachment itself. So it's powerful to kind of get this knowledge so we can kind of like act accordingly. Is there anything else you feel like that we should know about attachment styles or things that you feel like we just keep getting wrong? Any last minute notes on this? I mean, I think one thing, you know, with, with any of this is there's a huge component of the body and being able, you know, where it starts is noticing how am I feeling in my body and regulating yourself because a lot of times what helps what makes us want to jump in or out of relationships is our inability to regulate our own emotions so for someone on the anxious attachment spectrum it's not being able to self-soothe on our own so we're reaching out for another person to help us with that and that can scare other people like whoa you know that feels too much and on the other end of the spectrum it's you know on the avoidance side it's you know i feel unsafe in relationships because i get dysregulated when those emotions come up and now i've got to jump out and so either way it's being able to self soothe and kind of feel comfortable in our nervous system both leaning in and out so with avoidant is learning to lean in and still you know, keep that sense of safety with someone who's more anxious. It's being able to be okay on my own in my body without having to have another person all the time. So either way, it's once again, that dance between self and other. All right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I want you to review what Megan outlined in terms of the ways you can know which type you are with regard to attachment styles. And I want you to brainstorm the ways in which that style is helpful to your friendships because there are benefits and the ways that it might be detrimental to your friendships. And think about one tangible thing you can do this week in relationship with one of your friends that goes against your negative tendencies and attachment styles. So for example, if you're the independent avoidant type, perhaps you withdraw when maybe she needs you to pull in, or maybe you get clingy in certain ways when you need to give space. What is the tendency you have that could be harmful to the friendship that you can put into action as you work to combat it and center yourself more? toward the secure style. Something to reflect on, something to consider. If you want to talk through it, you can follow me on Instagram at friendforward or visit us online at betterfemalefriendships.com. Either way, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time. (music) 